All right, welcome back to another edition of uh, Mormon Expression. I'm your intrepid host, John Larson, and seated here at my side is the wonderful Zilpha Larson. Hi, Zilpha. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. Um, Zilpha and I just got back from vacation today, just a few hours ago. Mesa Verde. And um, go check out the old Nephite ruins. Our <laughs> Yeah. They're pretty awesome. Though. Our first our first thoughts turned to you all and so we sat down to um to record a podcast and um well I'll get in that in a second but we've brought back possibly my favorite Mormon expression personality <laughs> of all time the one and only and I can really say that when I'm talking about uh, to Mike Mike Tannehill. M- Mike welcome back. Hello, thank you for having me. I feel like you're my Rahab and you've lowered this strand of thread down to let me pass that wall of Jericho of liberal women you put in charge of the show now. (laughs) (laughs) The wall of Jericho of comprised of liberal women. Is that, is it, did I read that correctly? You have it. You you put the show in, in the hands of these women that just hate me and you, you, you've lowered this thread and allowed me up into the building there. I don't, I don't think it's just the women. Oh, (laughs) Yeah, do you, do you do you recall um we were talking to a friend recently and he was listening to some back episodes and and he pointed out um that in the in the early episode I somebody asked why there weren't more women on the show and I I said well we don't have anything it's women they just don't want to come on the show so but n- now we we sort of have um swung the other way wouldn't you say yeah. Mike I wouldn't say so it Mormon might be expression a little bit is, more even Mormon expression is vaginally empowered these days <laughs> A, a little more. <laughs> yeah, a, a, a little more. If you take Mormon expression voices, it certainly is. Well, I, I don't think that's a bad thing, Mike. Do of course you, are, not. Are you are you saying it's a bad thing? No, they just don't. Let I don't want to. I don't want to set traps for you this early. He's just saying in the podcast, they, Mike. They don't appreciate Mike having Mike hang around. Oh, well, you know, uh, another friend of ours um, recently suggested. Um, the well, she 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 had actually sent me an email demanding that I kick you off the show. Um, Which one? <laughs> I, I won't I won't name names, but I I demurred and said no no Mike's Mike's not going anywhere. Um, and um, she sent a, a communication recently and said that was a mis- that was a mistake for me to ask that Mike be removed from Mormon Expression. <laughs> that that she she apologized and said said having you on the show is is the is the right thing. Well, without me, you have an echo chamber going on. Exactly, and I don't, I don't think you know. It, it's a fair criticism that many of our critics have levied, which is we tilt towards a critical bias. I'll, I'll grant that. I, I don't try to hide my bias at all, um, but it is extremely difficult to get. Um, to get all sides represented. First of all, there's no such thing as all sides, I and mean, there's an infinite number of sides, uh, and. A lot of people who are more faithful just will not engage in this sort of arena. Yeah, it, it, it takes a lot of homework. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, there's, I mean, there's so many. Uh, yeah, the, I remember you saying the show could go on forever because there's so many questions to look at. Absolutely. Yeah, and, we, and we you ha- can get pounded on with all kinds of different questions. If you haven't done your homework, then we have a database. I've, I've said this before. We keep of show ideas, and that database grows. Um, geometrically faster than the the show can release shows. So, so I mean, if we were just to record everything we've written down as an, a good idea, uh, we would be on for another eight ten. or nine years. Yeah, <laughs> ten years. But um, l- let me let me let me go back and finish the introduction. Um, so we are winding things down. I mean, the word's sort of been out. And, and Zilf and I were just talking a minute ago. I don't know how well we've ever laid it out on this podcast. Um, we, Zilpha and I have sort of um, graduated, let, let's say, um, and um, we are moving on to other things. For example, um, Zilpha and I have started our own podcast. Um, it, it doesn't have anything to do with Mormonism. We released our fourth episode last week, and this week we'll release our fifth. It's called the the Reasonability Podcast or Reasonability Podcast. It's available on iTunes, and um, it. It it what what how would you how would you describe it, Zilpha? It's about everything in the world besides Mormonism. <laughs> yes, <laughs> if Mormonism is a little speck in the universe, we try to talk about 
um, everything else. So we may tackle Mormonism at one point on there, but it's unlikely at some at some point. But if you enjoy listening to Zilpha constantly correct me. <laughs> well, you want me to correct you right now? <laughs> I was just, uh, just waiting for just waiting for that pithy Zilpha comment to come in. Well, I gave you the look instead. Oh yeah. Oh, if you, oh, by the way, I took a picture. I'm in a post. <laughs> Wait, haven't they all seen online that, look? that shows the look that Zilpha gives me? Um, no, I think most of our listeners have not seen you give me the look. And um, if you check out the, this episode, you'll be able to see the picture of Zilpha giving me the look. Well. <laughs> They could go to the Mormon Express YouTube channel and see the um, pre-existence episode. I'm giving you the look. Oh, like do you, you give me the, the look. whole time. So anyway, <laughs> um, we'll we, we'll be we'll be talking about that more in the next coming days. But the the uh, Mormon expression itself is not going away. Um, but the the this this podcast you're all listening to, we will be updated less frequently. Zilf and I are no longer going to be producing it weekly. The demands of producing the weekly show um, probably now outstrip our interest in all issues Mormon. Um, and and we, we'd like to devote energies to some other things, too. So um, now... Right. So that, that means Mormon expression will stay up and um, active as far as being able to download all of the previous episodes. And occasionally we anticipate releasing episodes just as, as we've feel like it yeah and and we want them to be really kick-ass um so we we just so you know um you know our like i said this is part three so this is part one of three so we have at least these three um after that we're scheduled to record a podcast live in phoenix um in september there'll be more details on that um i think we're 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 talking about one for either late winter early spring Around about that time in Boise, we still need to do our coffee shop one too. Yeah, so there'll be there'll be there'll occasionally. I don't want you to think we're we're going away. We're just we're just we're just going away from the the regular production schedule. And I think the intent right now is to keep doing conference um, episodes. Um, there is uh, we we have mentioned. I'll talk about this briefly, but in part two, we're going to come back to this uh, Mormon expression incorporated under the name Whitefields, or, or I better put Whitefields Educational Foundation is the parent company of Mormon Expression. And we have a lot of other things that we've started and that are going, that we're really excited about, um, that represent um, when people have donated to Mormon Expression, donated to Whitefields, that we've been able to start and will continue a lot of these really neat things. And in, in part two, we come back, we're going to talk about a lot of that stuff and, and, and where we're going. Um, including another podcast that will take the place of Mormon expression in terms of weekly production. <sighs> or bi-weekly. I oh, yeah, they were I, talking bi-weekly. Yeah, or bi-weekly or whatever. The same sorts of um, discussions and and ideas. So en- enough of that. Let's get back to the, let's get back to the, the meat and potatoes of Which Mike Tannehill. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so so now, now, Mike, we you and I actually knew each other online for a few years before we ever started the podcast. Uh, the Mormon uh, discussions page. Yeah. Now, now, were you ever on the Mad Board? The um, Mormon. The, I popped in there a couple times, but I, I didn't spend a great deal of time there. So, um, this goes back to some of my prehistory. Actually, before I left the church, I started participating online in some of the forum groups. Some of them that don't exist anymore. They were like Yahoo groups. Um, the first main one I participated a lot in it was one called Loyal Liberal Mormons. Um, and I, there were a lot of us at the time who were, um, church goers, there were bishops and different, the like, by the time that board sort of fell apart, I think we'd all left the church. Um, so that, that (laughs) sort of put a a damper on that. Um, I was a participant on the fair boards, um, and then that dissolved in 2004. Um, and the, another board was started called the uh, Mormon Apologetics Discussion Board, Mormon um, and and they they've they've renamed they've renamed themselves because that spelled mad, which was what everybody was calling them all the time, the mad board. Um, they they renamed themselves now to Mormon Dialogue with the with the um, UE. Um, and from time to time, a lot of the um, a lot of the who's who in apologetics still come on that board. In the last couple of years, it's flagged a little bit. It's not as interesting as it used to be. But um, and they're all up in arms these days about all the going ons with Daniel Peterson and, and all, all that sort of stuff. But but Peterson and Hamblin and and a lot of the the younger um, Kevin Graham and a lot of those guys who were the younger apologetics um, 
you know, not not that the guys in their sixties. These guys would participate regularly on there, and I, I ranked up a lot of posts on there before we ever started Mormon Expression, and they they had a they had a propensity for kicking out um, troublemakers, troublemakers or um, critics, and you had to really mind your p's and q's to stay on there. And um, I enjoyed the challenge of never never being like censured. I'd been censured two or three times, all unjustly. <laughs> but, but I mean, you got to understand that just about every critic gets kicked off that board. Um, so, so that's where I sort of honed my chops of arguing with apologists. And I kind of burned out on apologists, which is why we haven't had that many on this podcast. Um, but there's a companion board to that um, run. And we, we've, had, we've done a podcast on it on the Mormon Discussions Board, which is um, run by Dr. Shades and is dedicated completely to open dialogue like you you you're you're not allowed to curse because of um liz um and and some of the others who moderate the board you can't say swear words um but but you can basically say whatever else you want am i characterizing it right well yeah they got the degrees if you want to cuss you can go to the lower levels if you you want to have higher in discussions you're supposed to go to the celestial room so (laughs) you you had posted i don't think you post much anymore do you no, I, I I just recently went back and posted a couple things, but that's, uh, that's yeah, been like a year. I'm the same. You posted under the name Gazellum. Yes. Which is a, a made-up Joseph Smith word, right? What, what? That was his code name when they'd write letters back and forth. He'd use Gazellum. I thought he was like Amon Ra or something. I thought it was like... <laughs> the, the, they had Jesus, a couple different names. The Jesus the Anointed. I Enoch or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... so so we we had we had interacted on that board for a couple of years, and then um, I think when we were in about episode eight, nine, or ten, you reached out and told me you'd like to come on. Yeah, you were looking for volunteers that wanted to join, and I said, "Call me." So, and, and what's interesting about both you and Zilpha is you both sort of sat out the first few. Z- yeah, Zilpha, I, I Zilpha think didn't I, think the it first would one work. I was on was um, you were reviewing a movie. Which movie? Uh, with the uh, the Danzigs, I think, were making made a movie. Oh, the temple. Oh, in, um, the, in the shadow of the temple. Yeah. yeah, that was the first one I was on. I think hmm. I said two or three words. Oh, yeah. It's not as easy as it sounds, is it? Mm-mm. No, it's not. Try it. Um. So, so Mike, the the first thing that people would say to me for the first year or so is they didn't believe that you were real. They thought they thought that <laughs> you were played by an actor. You you, uh, you you are you are real, right? I am real. I'm not an actor. And we've we've actually met in person. We we have embraced. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did the uh, live show up at uh, U of U. Yeah, you came up to the U of U. We've 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 had lunch with you down in Vegas, um where where you live in the in the belly of the beast. Yes, Sin City. Um but you do not play a part. Everything you say is completely genuine. Yes, yeah. I, uh, I, I guess I just got the idea that you need to stick up for the church from being on a mission, and and I, I served a McConkie mission, as I've said a couple times, and uh, that what, what is a, what is a McConkie mission? He, uh, I guess it's just the the be bold and don't be afraid, and you know what the message is, and stick to it. And but McConkie was kind of a dick, wasn't he? No. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess it depends on if you're the receiving end or the giving end. Another one for just, our feminists. <laughs> uh, he's just always just, you know what the message is, and don't be shy about it, and and stick to it, and, and give it as it needs to be given, so... And because um, I'm gonna I'm gonna poke a lot of our friends in the eye here for a second, <laughs> but it's in it's out of love because a lot of the believers or or um, those who play believers on TV listen to this podcast. Um, the those sort of liberal Mormons or sort of middle of the road, um, I'm going to church because it's a great way to raise my kids. Sort of people, they're the ones who get the most upset about you, Mike. Really? Yeah, be, because... Um, you represent a church that they don't believe in, but they still belong to. Precisely. They don't take it seriously? Is that what it is? <laughs> you, you could say that. I mean, that, that, that's one well, way to look at look it, but, but... There are things that, that you believe that they, um, that they don't, and yet you're both sort of representing the same institution. Like, you both have a favorable view of the church, even though it's a completely different perspective. 
I'll give a metaphor for what I'm talking about. Like like Zilpha said, we were just down at Mesa Verde this last couple of days. And so there's the archaeologists who go dig dig these sites up, and they can piece things together, and they can look and say, okay, this is what this means, and we can see this, you know, that they can look at empirical evidence to try to figure out what the Anasazi were doing. Well, then there's the Hopi or whoever today who want to look at the Anasazi through their cultural eyes and through their religion, basically, and they want to interpret Anasazi practice and Anasazi um, artifacts through their modern day belief. Sometimes they could be right. Sometimes they're definitely wrong, at least as far as the archaeologists are concerned. So I think what you represent, Mike, you represent to me the Anasazi. You represent a good portion of Mormonism as it is practiced and believed in the pews today. You represent a huge section of of Mormonism because you are a believing, practicing, active Mormon. And there are people in every ward who who would say exactly the same things you you do, and in my in my belabored extended metaphor, sort of the the Hopi don't like that. They don't like the fact that the Anasazi may not have been doing what they're doing today. And I think some of the more liberal Mormons don't like the fact that you say what you say about like Glenn Beck and liberals and feminists. <laughs> Glenn Beck cries too much. Uh, he, he does cry a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> is he still I, I just you know what it always reminds me is when we get down into it and, and start tearing into it that point where you'd always jump in and say yeah but Mike's right <laughs> you know, that's the part that I always loved <laughs> well is, well, in, in a sense I have I, I um, as a student of Mormonism um, there, there is this definite belief like, like I enjoy talking to fundamentalists because they acknowledge what what a lot of Mormons won't, you know, like like for example, Mormonism still believes in polygamy, right? Right. Absolutely. The, the, the doctrine has never been discarded. We, we, no, I mean it's just put on hold, but the right. doctrine's there; it still stands. It's absolutely clear. And so, yeah. so critics recognize that, and and believers like yourself recognize. It. Then you get this whole mamby pamby middle of the way people who are like, oh, well, it means this, or and and these are people who are believers and not believers, and they try to throw sand in everybody's eye. And I include the church PR department in in this. Now, now I don't I don't include <laughs> I don't include all the apostles. I don't think they're all this, but I think I think they're oftentimes in a gilded cage and not allowed to say what they think. Um, but. But to have somebody who cut through all the bullshit and come on and say, no, this is actually what we believe, and I, I believe that's what you do, Mike. I, <sighs> what, what about, I don't know, it seems to me that, that with the race issue that you, um, okay, so I'm thinking of the, the BYU professor who got reprimanded for saying what, what people in the church used to believe about race, but I'm not sure where you stand on that. I'm just curious. The race issue? Yeah. Like I, I take it the same as, as when Christ refused to teach any Gentiles and he would only teach Jews and he was here. He called teaching Gentiles throwing pearls before swine or giving scraps to the dogs or something like that. Yeah. Whereas they, it wasn't until much later that Peter got his revelation, yeah, bring the Gentiles in. And so that it goes back to the family trees. You know, this family had this responsibility because this family had shown themselves faithful in the past. And then you bring in this family. And now we get to the end days and it's time to bring all the families in because we're wrapping things up now. Well, what I mean, what about the curse of Cain and. uh, What what do you mean? What how they were deserving of it? You mean? Yeah. I, I think what, however things were divvied up in the pre-existence, that was the family tree they were in, and so, so that's Mike, what they got the so curse when would, they got would, here. Would you say like the curse of Cain folks were under the same condemnation that the Gentiles were before the time of Christ? That's how you right. would interpret it. Exactly. It, it, it's you know the old Abrahamic covenant drum. Here's that family tree, and this is the family that had that responsibility, and now we're going to move it onto this family. But what about it's, the skin color? Uh, I don't. I always, I haven't pinpointed exactly when that would have happened. I mean, they say the curse of Cain was carried through the flood be, by was it Egyptus, uh-huh. the Ham. wife of yeah. Ham. Ham, but where it came from before then, I don't know. Oh, uh, so you're not it, one who who believes that God cursed Cain with dark skin. He cursed him with the Bigfootitis. 
<laughs> I know he was restless and he had a mark on him, whether it was dark skinned, we assume that, but uh, somewhere okay. along the line, they got dark skin. So, whether, so you, you're a traditional, you, you believe, you believe all of Mormonism, right? Yeah. Is there any part that you say, ah, I think that's just the teachings of men? Yeah, the, the baby sitting on thrones. Mind, but... Well, no, but no, I'll, I'll defend Mike here. He said in 1888 that that teaching was repudiated by Wilfred Woodruff. Case closed. Which, which doctrine is that? The baby's, oh, the baby's, baby's on the on thrones. thrones. Yeah, that, that's, that's been debunked. I, I really hate to bring this up, but it just reminded me. I don't think the javelin through the heart doctrine or concept has been repudiated by a later oh, prophet so, or by did you <laughs> so <laughs> do we oh, need to tell the so, story of the yeah, let, let's go the back in, in, in history people thought you were a novelty until um and i'll take full um blame <laughs> i i set a trap for you mike and you unwittingly walked into it or maybe wittingly but just um, was too stubborn to not to back out and <laughs> and so brigham young had, had said that if if a man catches his wife in bed with another man that he's justified there to drive a javelin through the woman's... Through both of them. Oh, through both of them. Okay. Through At the least both we're, of we're them. equal opportunity. Through the both of them. Did, could you only get like one thrust you had to get them he, both at no, the same time? No, he didn't time? say that. Um, so, so, and you said, Mike... That was justified. That, and, that and, you would do it. And you said you would, you would do it. It's still, it's still... Valid. Valid, right? Is that... I'm, yeah, I, that I reminds me of that it's similar to me... To the teaching that when they tell the guys going on their missions that come back with your virtue or come back in a box. Ooh. In the old days when they'd send the missionaries out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> don't believe in that one, do you? <laughs> it wouldn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> well, I mean, but, but I don't no, have a problem with it. That's what there's you no mean. coming so you think back. People from... are better off dead than than the, not being faithful Mormons. But there's no no coming back from dead. Like you can repent from adultery and from fornication and from masturbation and stuff like that. Right, I think it takes a lot. Yeah, it you takes can a, repent of it. Yeah, it takes a lot. But to still, repent. once you're dead, it's it's supposed to be harder once you're dead, right, to repent. So but, you, you might as well stay alive and try to. But but I to in in I'm, I'm I don't want to defend crazy, but I think what the <laughs> the guys who said that were saying, you'd be better to keep your virtue intact and be dead than have to go through the repentance process. I it's it's a, it's a bizarre no. sort of warped thing. Yeah, they weren't saying. Or like virtue, the 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 statement I can't even remember who it was because it was it was in Miracle Forgiveness for a while. They pulled it out, and Kimball was quoting another authority, and I can't remember what authority that basically said, "I'd rather see my sons come home in a box with their virtue intact than come home unvirtuous." Oh, is that not in there anymore? No, they 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 pulled it out. I think nineteen ninety four, nineteen ninety six. Yeah. Oh, lame. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, they, they, the they correlation make. department's terrible. Yeah, it is. Um, it's 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 destroying the archaeological evidence of our combined wonderful past. Why why can't they just be bold? What what is what is so bad about it's like it's like the Brigham Young book that they had for priesthood class and Relief yeah. Society uh-huh. where they don't mention polygamy. Yeah, how do you do a, how do you do a Brigham Young book and not mention polygamy? I know. Doesn't that bother you? Of course, it, it does, does bother me. It does. And, and Mike and I agree on this. I've said this over and over again. I think actual Mormonism, as taught by Joseph Smith and others, has more merit than the watered down sort of PR inspired pseudo Protestantism they're trying to show the world they have today. Now, yeah, once you once you strip all of the kind of kookier things away, then it just is a sort of a mainstream but church. When you say kooky, I mean, let's let's be clear, Zilf and I reject all religion. You, you're not singling out Mormonism as being particularly kooky. Well, the Mormonism of the javelin through the heart and the, and the, and the virtuous dead person better than a but but that uh, once again that's not particularly kooky. I mean, that the, is kooky. You you have the the crusades and 
And uh, I mean, look at the Puritans, like after they got here to Plymouth Rock, they immediately start persecuting every, like all the colonies were set up as these religious enclaves. They immediately start the persecuting. Scarlet letters yeah, yeah, and the it, witches. So, and... So, so to say, okay, violence, the name of defending faith. All right, and but call do you want to keep up that kind of society? No, I think it's kooky, but well, I don't think it's particularly <laughs> kooky. That's okay, what I'm saying. But, so the PR department doesn't want to keep up that sort of thing either. But the PR department doesn't drive the doctrine. And I yeah, think- Yeah, it does. I think- it drives the outside view, but I and think the church is, is full of more Mike's, Mike Tannehill's than it is full of uh, Michael Purdy's. Michael, the, he's a PR guy for the church. But what they're saying to the outside world eventually becomes adopted by the inside, too, because that's what they're being told by the people from above. Do you, Mike, you go to church. Do you see that happening? Do you think the church itself is becoming watered down? Well, yeah, look at the Brigham Young book that he just mentioned. What what about it, the, the, the people in the pews, Mike? I think you'll always have those people with their home libraries of books published before 1950 that can whip out the good stuff and, and bring it into a lesson. So they do that? Because like, when, when yeah, we were I, being taught you Brigham see it from Young, time to time. and it was done in, in Relief Society, right? That, that one was it, taught... It, well, at, at the time that we're talking about, 8, 10, 12 years ago... They basically did away with Relief Society for a it while. It was like 12 years they, they, ago. They still separated the sexes, but they had the same manual. They, right. They, they have since released, now this year, they released a manual for the women. Right. Well, I can tell you that no nobody in my Relief Society classroom ever mentioned anything about polygamy during that whole... It's not in the book. And, during and, and that they, whole year. And they rewrote some of the passages where Brigham was talking about his wives, and yeah. they, they changed it to wife. And if Did you, they really? If yeah. you look at his chronology in the front of the book, it has his first wife dies. Who died before he became a, a member, and then his second wife, and that's and that's all that's, that's where mentioned. they stop. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I haven't got that book. My wife, is, my wife teaches uh, young women, so she didn't get the book. Hmm. Oh, I'll send you, you, pick I'll one send up you a at copy. DI. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure I can go in the office and grab one. <laughs> so. Yeah, you're teaching seminary now, right? Yeah. How's how, that How is it being received? <laughs> I, I love <laughs> I love teaching seminary. It's fun. I think you would be a fun seminary teacher, Mike. It's the Old <laughs> Testament, right? Yeah, we just finished. We're doing New Testament next year. Okay, so you just finished the Old Testament. Yeah, I did need the to start kids, studying. Did the kids read what they were supposed to read? I mean, I remember doing it and, and reading, but I don't know if most kids do or... What do you I, I'm lucky to get a half hour. I, I do early morning, and then they got to go to school. So I'm lucky to get a half hour lesson in, which is really, oh. by the time you get the song and the prayer <laughs> and the chit chat and then the closing prayer, you're lucky to get 15 minutes of a lesson in. Yeah, you're not going to be digging very deep into the passages that no. way. So my, I just try to hit on the golden points and keep going. Mm-hmm. You take a lot of abuse, like I've sort of laid out, and people are constantly defriending you on Facebook and <laughs> and yelling at you and, and that sort of stuff. Why, why do you do this? I mean, because most of the other members of the church wouldn't come on this this podcast at all. Why, why? I just, I really, I, I love the gospel. I love the doctrine. I, I, I love all of it. And when I see it attacked for some dumb reason, I just want to stick up for it. And I do, and I think my approach for a lot of times is, is wrong. <laughs> Uh, you know, like like when you said, when you're a hammer, everything's a nail. I've heard you say that a few times. <laughs> I, I think I overdo the hammer and become a sledgehammer with it. But, you know, usually it bounces up and hits me in the nose. But I just well, I, you, I just feel I feel I need to defend the faith. When you say it bounces up and hits you in the nose, what, what sort of things are you talking about there? What Where where is it backfired <laughs> on you? I just, I overdo it and, and make people angry and upset. And I, I, maybe I put it. When I answer a question or defend the faith, I do it in a snarky way, and I should be more charitable and loving in my approach. But the longer the longer I've been doing this, the more I find out there is no way to make everybody happy. And it's one of those things everybody says, "Yeah, duh." But when you <laughs> actually experience it, you know, like you're going to make this half angry this way or another half angry the other way, and and I, I just try and make myself happy. <laughs> If that's offensive sometimes, then it just turns out offensive, I guess. I don't I don't find you, and I mean, I'm not the judge, I don't find you particularly bombastic. Um, I, I find you to be very, you, 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 you very clearly state things that a lot of people don't like. 
<laughs> and that's <laughs> that's from both critical side and I remember here we we were we were recording here in the in in the studio and you you were you were of course online and somebody in the studio audience who I won't name got so, so inflamed about something you said <laughs> that they jumped over and grabbed a microphone. Um, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't think it was pick it just sort of pushed his buttons for some for some reason. Um <laughs> but you, you were you were stating them from a believer's point of view. You were the Anasazi. You were living the way the way you live. Um and and I don't I don't know why that annoys people so 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 much because like like you said there's been there's been a few times and I've had to rein in the discussion and say Mike's you can't beat up Mike for something that Bruce R McConkie said Mike's just telling you what Bruce R McConkie said and a lot of people immediately cross the line with you and start attacking you for merely bringing up the 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 faith it it's been a fascinating phenomenon for me to watch and I, I feel bad about it maybe that's one of the reasons you have not been on as much as you would like because I don't like the people attack you personally for saying things that were that have been stated in the church a bazillion times yeah an interesting side note to that is how many will say you're the old me or I used to believe just like you did and and now I've seen the light and you're still dumb or, That's, or something you, like you're that. you're the Not you're the dumb, ghost of Christmas past for them yeah um, they can uh, see I, them I so it's like reading it. an old journal from your teenage years and it sort of makes you cringe and it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's uncomfortable <laughs> but I, I I like that discomfort I like that discord and I, I like that that you help us to see Mormonism the way it is. And I was making this point 10 minutes ago. I want to make it again and circle around. I think Mormonism in its purest forms is not as crazy and weird as Mormonism today because Mormonism today, a lot of ways, doesn't make sense. Because, for example, we have we have families are forever, but you can't talk about mother in heaven. That, that That's just that's just absurd. Like either shit or get off the pot, right? Either either say eternal marriage and eternal increase and families are forever, and that entails that we have a mother and father in heaven. Or or it'd be or great don't. if somebody would release a book about her. But <laughs> there's really how, what would they have to pull from? Well, I I, I think I think it's like the song. What was oh, oh my Peter father? Oh my father! Um, oh, oh my father! There you go. Uh, I I think we can extrapolate because because if you look at Mormonism today, you you, you read like Eliza or some of those early or, or Zena and some of those early women, they were empowered by the faith that mm-hmm. that Mormonism um up until the end of polygamy. I I, I I'm not trying to defend polygamy as a feminist institution, although there are feminists who do. Um, but, but I think the women had much more power in a way than we do in the church today because, because there was this eternal role of women. Women were going to be goddesses and priestesses, and women would bless the sick with laying on of hands. That happened in Utah for a long, long time. The old timers, well, when I was a kid in the 70s, old timers still did it, but well, now it's pretty much Especially they, they had a ritual for women and childbirth. That would, I mean, You know what's cool about that is my, my mission president talked about that. He says, we don't talk about it in the church today, but, you know, my mom gave me a blessing. You know, Bruce R. McConkie's wife gave her kids a blessing. Mm-hmm. It was open. And, but she did it through her husband's name. She said, in the name of the priesthood which my husband holds, I bless you in his name since he's not here. Oh, People well, think they, this is they, a weird practice. It was not They used not to do strange. it not in their husband's name. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, so, so, so my point being is that we've, we've come to this point as we try to, like, mimic Protestantism. For what reason? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't quite understand it. Um, I, I think there's been this obsession, probably post World War II, with Me Too. Yeah. With us we're being American, accepted. We're normal. And I don't know if you've ever heard this rumor, um, Mike, since you're a fan of Bruce R. McConkie. <laughs> this is purely a rumor. There's a rumor that he wrote a book that went unpublished right before he died, um, which was which was um, basically titled something like "Why Mormons Aren't Christians." And it was an attack on the Christian world. And it really, what it really did is it set Mormonism apart and differentiated from, from Christians. And there was, wasn't there an op-ed in Washington Post or New York Times or one of those a couple um, weeks ago where a Mormon basically said that? Yeah, said, no, we're, we're not Christians. Not, not <laughs> as um, 
Christians define themselves? Um, Because there is a huge difference between Mormon theology. Now, I I would say that Mormons worship Jesus Christ, and they believe that Jesus Christ is their Redeemer. Now, they don't pray to Jesus Christ like the rest of Christians do, but but, um, I I would say they definitely fall under the umbrella of Christianity, but they definitely don't doctrinally, traditionally, fall under a Protestant um, theological foundation. Right. Yeah, I gave a talk in sacrament meeting on that one time, how we're we're not Christian is along those lines and and it, it it's basically when we we have the doctrine of our father in heaven that we're literally his children and when we talked about priesthood line of authority and there was a third thing there's a third item i can't ever i always lose the third one but uh yeah we, we got some major theological differences from the regular christian world and and to try to bait and switch um the the milk before meat thing right to try to come across you know, people who are um, uninitiated, uninformed, as a, just a normal Christian, regular Christian church, is disingenuous, and it gets people confused. If you saw it. anybody else doing it, like let let's say let's say the Muslims started doing a campaign um, that tried to say, look at all the things we have in common with the, with Christians, or like if or if, if they started saying, oh well, we're we're really we're we're Jews. <laughs> which no muslim would ever say but yeah yeah it, it, it seems it's an idea that's ridiculous out, outside outside of, of now now well, no protestants are confused on the issue <laughs> no no and 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 what what a lot of young missionaries learn actually they usually don't learn till later that that they go out in a mission field and oftentimes run into people who understand their faith better than they do and yeah. i don't i don't blame the young men i blame uh, the church is doing this intentionally uh, my mission president, we made it a point because he understood the exact thing you're talking about. We're not going to teach the Bible at all. And he went through, we had the six discussions back in those days. He took all the Bible scriptures out, replaced them with the Book of Mormon, and said, stick with the Book of Mormon to go to teach. Wow. You know, we're going we're gonna to draw the line, and why would they be interested in a gospel they already have? Right. It, you, know, it's, you teach them the restoration, stick to the restoration, don't stray from it, and go teach. And we... Went from ten baptisms a month to one hundred and fifty. It's a point I make that the, the, the church is founded on the, the the twin doctrines of restoration and apostasy, and if you don't accept those, like many liberal Mormons do not, Mormonism ceases to have any reason to exist. You just as well go, you know, join the, with the Methodists or whatever. Except for the culture that they that they are familiar with and they're part of, they don't want to let that go. They're, it's comfortable. It's what they know. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I understand that. You go that, into but... a Methodist church and everything's sort of foreign. There are different rituals and different but, ways but, of but speaking. But doctrinally. Doctrinally, you've got nothing. It's the values gone. Right. I mean, when once you take those away, like you said. Well, there was an article recently, even among the evangelical churches, it's the only ones that demand something of their members and set up a, a standard, those are the only ones that are retaining anyone. The rest, the people come and go and flow, and they don't, they can't get anybody to stick. It's the ones that demand something of you that actually are growing. Oh, absolutely. If you look at the statistics worldwide, the religions that are growing are like Mormonism, um, the Jehovah Witnesses, Pentecostalism, Muslim, Evangelical um, he- Christianity, um, Islam. Islam. Yeah, they're, they're all fundamentalist religions. And and it, it's it's this lesson for the, those who want to liberalize churches, um, and I'm I'm not taking a stand for for fundamentalism here. I'm just pointing out the fact that there's something about fundamentalism and a literal interpretation of religion that is appealing to people, that is comforting to people. And once you start watering things down, it's it's like it's like the Unitarians, you know. And of course, we were Unitarians for a lot of years. I have a soft spot in my heart for that. But there comes a point. Everybody says, "What? What is it we're doing here? What? Why? <laughs> what, 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 you know, you're writing a check and say, well, what are you going to do with this money?' You know, with 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 most evangelical religions, you know exactly what they're going to do with the money. They're going to convert the heathens. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's and that that's where the church stands up. It, it's like the ones that want to tell the church to accept homosexuality. It's not going to happen. I, it is, it's never going to happen. Look, I'm, let, me, let me preface this by saying I'm 100% in favor of, of gay rights across the board. And gay marriage. And, and gay, gay, just gay, well, I, I'm, I'm against marriage. But that's, that's, right, but if people but are going to get married, I, I everybody should, have the same, should yes, be able yes, to. Yes, okay, so having said that, 
I do not, and I cannot understand the ones who want to try to reconcile the Mormon Church and and gay gay marriage. And I've I've written about this in the past. Uh, probably I haven't published it in a way where everybody can see it. But when you start, if the church were to accept gay marriage, everything the church teaches starts to fall apart. Everything, the the temple. The temple is based on the myth of Adam and Eve, right? If there's if there's if there's unification of, of the sexes, that whole thing, all the ritual um, has interplay between the the the, the, the it sexes. It would no longer make sense to have the men and women sitting on different. Well, it doesn't any anyway, but so, like you're not going to act. <laughs> so the the, the male, Adam and Eve kind of taking on their um, their persona wouldn't work really anymore. Fa- the families marriage. are forever doesn't work anymore. The temple doesn't work anymore. Families are forever works. The relief society. Has no meaning because the women are going to be in the elders quorum and priest quorum, right? So relief society stops. Wait. The young women's program ceases what? to exist. Well, if he, if eternal life is the ability to continue to create life, I don't see two gay gods with a chemistry set stirring things up in the universe. It, well, just, it doesn't make any sense. Mike, but, from a do, from Mormon traditional Mormon perspective, Mike is absolutely right. But if they're gods, they can they can turn their they their, can create a womb in their anal cavity. Yes. Is that what they can do? Yeah, <laughs> their I magical mean, god powers. <laughs> right. I mean, why why be a god if you can't, you know, if you can't do that? <laughs> what are you going to do? Did you just really say what? You... <laughs> <laughs> Mike, it's, it's not all about yeah, anal. Gods aren't genies. They don't fold their arms and say yapple dapple and and make magical things happen. There's a, there's a law to the universe and how it operates. Yeah, it, but it, what's it, interesting uh, is there are people born that get you know that. Heavenly Father has created that have a penis and a vagina. So why can't? Yeah, it's called an accident. It's it's a genetic mishap. Well, it, it works. I mean, it happens. So wait, why can't? Wait, I don't think there's anybody born that has a functioning spermazoa producing penis. Like you, you don't have both testes and ovaries. You might have a v- vestigial penis and a vagina. Okay, so if we have a penis and a and a vagina with ovaries, but there's no reason God can't. God can't. Tweak have things about have both parts. Yeah, why not? But 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 even okay. If that's the answer, if suddenly this revelation comes, it just turns everything the church has been saying for the past 170 years on its head. Well, they just tuck it. Well, when you're resurrected, you're resurrected as either a man or a woman. Who I mean, said, it, I mean, not for the, who says, to but. say that they change in the afterlife and they get a new form of resurrection after the resurrection is just silly. It, it's sort of to me like Wisely. society turning into a a. a, a a street bike gang that sells methamphetamine, right? You could say, oh, well, they just create a narrative around, but the, the change is too much. Okay, but the, what, what do you do with people who are born with unclear genitalia? I mean, in the in the resurrection, Mike. Well, do you want to give the answer? I'll give the answer. That, this no, is go ahead. One. This is softball, Zilfa. The gender is eternal, just like some people are born with Down syndrome. Some people have genetic mistakes in their in their body form because this is a this is a telestial world. Is this a terrestrial world or a telestial world? This is a telestial world we live Turlet, in. Terrestrial. Tur- Turlet. Tur. This is a telestial world we live Tur. in. And some people come with genetic mistake mistakes, but their gender, whatever that be, is eternal. How how'd I do, Mike? Perfect. Okay, but but Mike said it wouldn't make sense that you have this body with the gender and then it gets resurrected and it's turned magically into another gender. Well, you have people with confused genitalia in this body, it gets resurrected and poof, they magically have the, the, the genitalia. So, but Zilpha, are you saying that in the resurrection in your new church that you're proposing, you're proposing for some reason that two (laughs) men will get married and they'll have an eternal bond. There'll be two male gods together and they will reproduce and produce. Sure. Why not? Because it's it doesn't fit with Mormonism. It, it just doesn't. I you could create a new religion that that, that it doesn't does. fit with nature. <laughs> well, I'm all for homosexuality and any of sexuality between consenting adults. I'm a fan, but I it's not. If 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 your if your religion fetishizes reproduction through the eternities, then homosexuality doesn't really have a place. That's all. I, I think the religion's wrong. I mean, <laughs> since you're looking at me funny, but but I I uh, you know I I just think everything the church is built on just falls apart completely once once you bring in homosexuality. Uh, are you the one that typed that up the long list? That yes. Said all the, all the reasons. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I posted that on the uh, 
MO.2 board and everybody yeah. was freaking out about it. Yeah. I'm, 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 that's my new career. I'm writing apologetic material now. <laughs> I just, I just want to, like, like the Anasazi, I just want us to recognize Mormonism for what it is. Um, now, if people, there's people out there who are working to change Mormonism, I, I assume that's a valid path in the universe to try to change it. But that's not my interest. I've never been interested in, but there's, I got, I had some guy yelling at me last week because he wanted me to join this thing to reform Mormonism. And I'm like, I don't have any interest in Mormonism changing. I just want it to go away. <laughs> but, but more importantly, I just want to study it and understand it for what it is. And, and I'm not, I'm not trying to get in there and muck with the Change natives. Change it up. Yeah. All right. So, uh, well, it, it always comes it's back easier to, to understand if you get a, a foundation uh, you know, when, when you, the end goal is celestial marriage, it makes every, the re, whole rest of the gospel a lot more clear once you get that foundation down. That's why I've always hammered on the Abrahamic covenant. It's such a foundational thing that everything else is built on on top of that. And I, it, it I, places women in a subordinate role. It doesn't. It does. The, Who's in charge? They're... they're <sighs> I'll tell you this much. When I asked Mike to come on tonight, he he asked his wife for permission. <laughs> she she granted me permission to do a podcast tonight. Yes. <laughs> okay, but but, and, but practice Mike, is different than question. belief. What do, what? How do you how do you answer the charge of Mormonism is sort of misogynistic, which is a charge that I've made uh, umpteen times. Well, the, when we look at when we look at a wedding veil, and we also do the veils in the temple. The the veil represents uh, the barrier between sacred spaces. Why don't men wear the one? Worthy worthy to enter the veil because there's another culture involved on the other side, and and women as mothers are the gatekeepers of pre-existent spirits. You choose the environment that those children will be born into, and you choose the man who will direct your home. And you maintain, you say, I want him to have these qualities, and this is what our home life is going to be before we have children. Oh, you mean when she's dating, she chooses the man she's going to marry? She she chooses who's going to be ruler over her. She chooses the qualities that he will have. But wait, let's go back to the veil. Because you said she chooses the the man who will direct her home. Right. (laughs) So that, so, so that's how you... a husband presides in a home. Now, you're... Look at it this way. Your bishop presides in your ward. Yeah, he's Man. in that charge. That means he is responsible for the content and what people take away from their experience there. Right, he's in so charge. So you are choosing to have someone protect and care for and maintain the the quality of that environment. But you are the one that chooses the environment and what what you want your children to experience when they're born into the world. So you are actually you – are, you are a team. You are, you are united. Uh, as as one in your goals, and you have him to preside, and then you are also maintaining the content. So why don't men veil their faces again? Why don't men? Yeah, because they're not the ones that are the gatekeepers. The women are the gatekeepers. You're the ones bringing the preexistent spirits. In oh, oh, so so like, I get it. So like, when you go to the temple veil, you like stick things through the veil, and like right. the woman is wearing a veil. Okay, I get it. Wait, are you talking about penises, John? No, but so the man has to access heaven through a veil. You see the metaphor? He doesn't, oh there's no gosh, eternal life without no. a, a mother to create life. And no, it, as the gatekeeper, she's the one yeah, saying this is Heaven the, is on the other side of the veil, and women are on the other side of the veil. And men's goal is to get, get through the She's almost like a veil in reverse because she is bringing the people from the pre-existence into the world, and but, she is she. You're expected to make your home a celestial kingdom, so that when you get there, you already know what the environment's like. So, in, in an essence, she is spin. almost like the veil in reverse. All right, all right. Okay. Wow. So there you have it. I've never heard any kind of explanation at all. So at least you have some, something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Something's better than nothing. I, you know. I can't. I can't buy it, but. So right. the, the, there's a great deal of uh, of responsibility and, and and purpose to to a woman, and and she's essential to everything. I think I think Mormon men love love their women. <laughs> <laughs> I 
almost in a fetish the, kind of but way. No, I, I think I think in, in a negative sort of way. I think men tend to put women on a pedestal, and right, and that's there's what this I mean. there's this um, and, and, but but I I think there is there is love, and and that's why when a lot of people hear the charge that Mormonism is is say sexist, or is um sort of anti female. They say, I don't know what you're talking about because I love I my wife. I feel cherished. And, and, and I think that's common. You know, I remember from an anthropology class I had as an undergraduate, they, they pointed out that although cultures tend to be more, say, repressive to women, like uh, across the globe, um, cultures tend to hold women back in terms of education and access to social connections outside the home, access to driver's licenses and things like that, that cultures tend to be more restrictive to women, but women tend to be more loyal and to traditional roles and traditional rules. Like you'll find, for an example, you'll find Muslim societies where both men and women are not required to wear traditional garb. But women will continue to wear. You know, like, there's because some the there's some societies where they have to wear like a headpiece, mm-hmm. or they'll get stoned or 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 shunned or whatever. There's others where they don't, but women still continue to wear it. Right. So, so and the men don't. So there's this paradox of of women's um, conservatism, and which causes inner fighting between the the women. Well, I think. But part of it is that if you're not trained to be, you know, if you're trained to think that that's your your role. And oh, that, yeah, absolutely. And that it's inappropriate to show your face to other men. Well, then why would you unveil your unveil your face? Wasn't there a poll last year? And I might, my mind might be mucking it up. But they asked some question about what if the church gave? Would you be in favor of the church giving women the priesthood? And like eighty percent of the Mormon men said sure, but for women it was like sixty percent were against it. Right. I think it was like sixty percent. The men said yes, and only. Like twenty percent. Right, but of the, ma- women. The, the point is, the majority of men were in favor of it, and the majority of women were were opposed to the idea. Right, because they <laughs> because men know that it's not a, a big deal, you know, to have the priesthood. It's like, pff, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. So I have the priesthood, and for women, it's like it's kind of scary, probably. Mike, I, I just when I whenever I hear stuff like that, I'm reminded of that line from Ghostbusters where he looks at Egon and says, "You never studied." <laughs> You always know, Mormon for Mormon men to be that I don't know drives me crazy. So so Mike, th- thinking back on the the last three years, we we've been going for more than three years now in Mormon expression. Do you think your your participation has accomplished what you wanted it to? No, I haven't gotten any letters from anyone saying thanks. You've helped me stay. <laughs> that hasn't happened. Really, no one. I, I've gotten let. Letters from mom saying thanks for talking to my son or things like that, but I, I've never gotten anyone saying because you know, I've you, got, you, made, you helped it to make more sense to me, and I see I need to stay in the church. That none of that. That's I've gotten happened. those letters and they piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but, are they, they sending them to you? <laughs> yeah, they say they say your podcast makes me feel more sane, and, and I can and, go to and church and 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 then I can listen to your podcast and decompress and feel sane again. Uh, uh, yeah, I got one just uh, last week. They said talking about how their testimony is in crisis. They discovered the pro- podcast, listened to it, and now they're they're back in full activity. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Mike, you can rest assured that even if you you haven't read one of those letters, know that they exist. <laughs> Was my name mentioned at all? <laughs> no, not particularly. But, oh, okay. <laughs> but I'm sure I'm sure that that you were in their thoughts and in their prayers. Oh, good. <laughs> um. So, what would you like? I mean, so here here's the forum, Mike. What would you like people? What would you like them to know? Just the church is true. I mean, even if you don't fully understand it or have faith in it, it it, it is it is real. Revelation exists. I, I've received it. The Holy Ghost is there. Just stick with it and, and find Him and and get your own revelation. Uh, Short and simple. I, I like that, Mike. The, find the revelation. Get the revelation. Once you get the Holy Ghost, then everything else will be all right. I would say, kind of as a tangent, but I, I think it's somewhere buried in what you're saying, everybody who's interested in Mormonism, be they evangelical critic or, um, <laughs> I'll give you an example. We were at the mass resignation, and I think there were about three or four evangelical missionaries that came up, um, and there was one who was fresh out of Alabama. 
And, wow. she, and she was she was talking to me and I was explaining the significant of Ensign Peak. And I said, you know, when the when um Brigham and, and folks went up there, you know, they donned their robes and then they they performed, you know, a prayer circle and, and, and that. And she said, Donned their robes. Oh, you are <laughs> you, you are new. Uh, uh, but um what I would say is that everybody, be they faithful or or just interested in Mormonism, needs to try to understand what it is. I had a revelation, I think I've talked about this before, speaking of revelations. Um, when I was first studying the church intently, when I was going through my sort of crisis of faith, that I realized that Joseph Smith had written or had scribes write a lot of things, a lot more than any of us members were even aware of. And I thought, isn't that odd that we believe him to be the greatest mortal man that ever existed, and second only in, in all of mortality to the, to the Savior, um, that he just a few short years ago wrote and said a lot of things, and here we are preaching him and putting pictures of him up in our living room, but we have not even read what he said. And I would <laughs> invite everybody who has an interest in Mormonism to make sure they actually understand it. We live in an age where so much of this stuff is readily available. Um, the, these books that have been out of print for a long time are now in the public domain and people scan them online. And I'm not talking about even apologetic or critical sites, just the source material that's, the source material that's available to us is incredible. Yeah, they're, they're, what are they separating now? They're separating things he wrote with his own hand and things that he had scribes write when they're doing this Joseph Smith project they're doing. Absolutely. They're setting aside everything he personally wrote. And Yeah, there's, there's, there's no excuse these it's, days. It's amazing, the, the, the stuff that's available to us. Mm -hmm. If only we could get more people to read like the King Followett Discourse and things. I mean, <laughs> sometimes you mention that in church and people give you a sideways glance. Well, what was that? And it's so doctrinally significant. And, and uh, you know, as we've even pointed out in this podcast, there are areas of controversy, but the controversy is understandable. And the, the shame of Mormonism, more than anything, is that you can't go to a college-level institute class and learn this sort of, the, the way that most religions would learn, you know, this Talmudic law in terms of who said what and when and what are the different interpretations and where interpretations um you know, I, I would guess that 99.99% of Mormons cannot explain, you know, the, the, the difference in doctrinal position between, say, John Widsow and, um, or, or somebody like Reuben Clark. Um, these guys are extremely important to the development of Mormonism. And, and even critics and, in, and scholars, just, they just have absolutely zero foundation in, in the faith. And, and I would hope that if anything Mormon expression does to people, is it, it gets them more interested in going and learning the stuff and figuring out what was really going on there. Yeah, the more most importantly though, I mean, and I said Abrahamic covenant is a good foundation to build your faith on, but you got to get a revelation for yourself first before you do anything else. Pray and and do that Moroni's promise and get an idea of who the Holy Ghost is. Let him talk to you, and then go on. Wait, but you can get that sort of thing for any religion. That sort of um, faith based on on feelings. Well, I don't, I don't know the, if that the, is a good place. The important to start. way to go about it is, as Moroni's promise says, ask a yes or no question specifically about the Book of Mormon or specifically about Joseph Smith, and get the revelation from a yes or no question. But shouldn't you like read the damn the book answer. first? What's that? Like you said, that's a place to start. But shouldn't you read the book first? Well, yeah, that's what Moroni's promise is. Read these things and then ask God yes or no. Are these things true? <laughs> Mike and then is you given can recognize the answer when it comes. The textbook answer. How can anybody have a problem with what Mike's saying? I don't think they have a problem with that thing that Mike just said. It's other. It's just a foundational. <laughs> you you got to have the witness of the Holy Ghost. None of this stuff matters if you don't have a revelation if it's true. Because if it you're reading all this sense, and you don't know so it's true, then it's just information. It's just a good argument, and your good argument only stands up until a better argument comes along. But if you have a witness of the Holy Ghost and an actual revelation. Then you can face whatever questions you have. So if you don't have a revelation, then a lot of this stuff, especially the historical stuff, might seem confusing and might be jarring or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you've got to you got to have your feet firmly planted on a rock before you get involved in the storms and things that'll knock you over. So you have to believe it before you know it. Uh, no, because you're supposed to read it first. <laughs> But okay. if you have a foundation of a revelation that, yes, the Book of Mormon is true, yes, Joseph Smith is a prophet, then you can view all things from that space. Right. Does that make sense? Yep, that's how I used to do it. <laughs> 
there's there's one last point I want I want to make while, while you're here, Mike. Um, Mike, I mean, I I I love you like a brother. Um, and and you just endlessly entertain when if you whenever you're on, I just smile and smile and smile. <laughs> um, I, I do I do want to point out something, Mike. I fundamentally and wholeheartedly go beyond believing whether what you're saying is nonsense. I believe it is it is completely devoid of reason, right? I I mean I I I, I I'm trying to let me, let me let me take another approach. <laughs> Zilpha and I have been talking in the last couple of days about well probably last couple of years about tolerance. Uh-huh. And we live in a society that for some reason tolerance as a virtue has been promoted more and more and more. I think Mike you and I both reject that idea. I I I do not believe in tolerance of crazy. But I do believe in tolerance of of people. And what I, what I want to point out is Mike you and I are friends, right? Uh-huh. I fundamentally disagree with you. You fundamentally disagree with me. And and you think that I'm not only I'm wrong, but I'm performing in sort of an evil act in leading people away from the gospel, right? I mean is that fair? Yes. So, so from a, a, a philosophical perspective, we're as far away as you could get. Correct. <laughs> but I, I think, and I was telling Mike this before we started recording, I, the one thing I admire about Mike is how unflappable he is when he's dealing with these people who are saying things that are sometimes rather caustically rude to, 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 to you, Mike, and that you are able to stay focused on the idea and not on the person. Because the fundamentals of an ad hominem attack, that, that word gets, when people talk about the, the fallacy of ad hominem, it is misused so often. If I say, you're stupid, or you're ugly, that is not an ad hominem attack. If I say, your argument is incorrect, or your argument is invalid because you're ugly, that's an ad hominem attack. And what Mike, what you can do um, what you have been able to do is be able to avoid that and be un- unflappable. And for that, I admire you so much because it's such a rare talent that people have out there to separate the ideas. And I can be kind of a dick, but usually my dickishness has to do with people's ideas. And I, I, I personally, even though it may not sound this way to the world, I separate people's ideas from themselves. You can say the craziest things you want to in the world, and I will come at you with both guns ablazing, but that does not change my love or my respect for you as a person. And I just wanted to take a minute and sort of point out my relationship with Mike here as sort of a self-congratulatory example to the world, that you can get along with people that you disagree with. That doesn't mean you have to tolerate each other's ideas, because we do not tolerate each other's ideas, right? Right. I, I, my brother kind of showed me this that you know anytime his wife's around I get in an argument and fight with her and he says well just don't bring up these topics just enjoy each other for other reasons and once you, once you let go of the important conversations it's pleasant to be around each other you know but. <laughs> well you don't have to you don't have to let go of important conversations but but some people yeah some people can't engage in a discussion where they disagree with the other person without getting angry at the other person but you and John, hopefully me, other people are able to do that, and that and that's what John would l- hope that the rest of the world can sort of learn from. And I, I would I would hope that everybody out there sees Mike Tannehill as an important and integral part of the Mormon Expression family, and what we were, and what we are, and what we strive for. That that even though even though me personally, you know, I I do not believe the church is true, and I believe people should leave the church, but the 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 ideal of the podcast and the type of dialogue that I'm striving to create in the world is one in which we don't have to tolerate crazy ideas but we can still be respectful and loving to the people around who don't have those same ideas and you can discuss it rationally without right. getting angry and and on on that note that we don't cast people out of the out of the Facebook groups or out of the Dominion or whatever, because their ideas are not not in sync. And having an idea that disagrees with mine doesn't put you on my shit list. In fact, it probably makes me more wanting to in- engage with you. But isn't that sort of being tolerant? 
I think it's being tolerant of the person, but I, I think we need as a society to realize there are some ideas that need to be fully examined. And I, I, I believe in the dialect the, the, the dialectic, that oftentimes ideas have to be critically examined from all sides to be made solid. And that in, that entails a, a, a critical saying, well, wait, how about this and how about that? And some of us are better, you know, you're much, you have a much softer touch doing it than I do, Zilpha. But I do think that it's an important it's an important thing, and and there's nobody out there in in the world. There's maybe a couple people I still hold grudges for, for, but I'd be happy to drop those in an instant. You know that to me that 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 the relationships to those ideas um, are are always trumped by the relationship with the person. That doesn't mean I'm going to capitulate. Well, that, that's one interesting thing that you and Doctor Shades and Joseph Smith all have in common is that you invited everybody on to say whatever they wanted. You know, the, Dr. Shades made his board and said, nobody gets kicked off here, you know, and you, and you have created your space where everybody can come on and engage in these conversations. And it's, it's just a great, a great thing. You've created a great space where people are able to do that. If only we had more, more believers willing to, to participate. Well, I, I invite people, but they, they don't want to show up. I know, because <laughs> no, it's don't. scary. It is scary. It's, it's, uh, you put yourself in a, in a hard spot. And we all, every one of us who, who've appeared regularly on, on the podcast have taken blows f- for it. Yeah. From, you know, from family, from friends, from Not people we perceive as friends. Not everybody is going to be happy with what you have to say. <laughs> right. And, and people, and the more, the more your voice gets heard, the more there's people out there who want to control your message through various tactics. Uh, it's, it's a fascinating thing. And maybe we'll talk about that, Zilpha, a little bit more in part three. Or once you become a semi-public sort of figure, people think that somehow you're separate. Like, there's a a Mike Tannehill out there that's not really a person with feelings. Like, it's this persona that that they can <laughs> attack because it's out there as this separate thing. Yep. But it really is a person, isn't it? <laughs> <I'm real. laughs> well, Mike, I, I do appreciate your, your participation and um, I, I think moving forward, we haven't heard the end of from Mike Tannehill. So listen, listen for, for him on new and exciting projects coming from um, Whitefields and, and everything we have going on. It's always a pleasure to be here. Yep, definitely. Well, as always, uh, the discussion continues um, on the website. And um, Mike, you, you, you read the comments out there. Right, every once in a while you come on there and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, so head over to Mormon Expression and I'd invite everybody to head over to the Mormon Expression VIP lounge on Facebook there's always lots of lively discussion over there and Mike does participate um, if you just search um, on your Facebook account for the Mormon Expression VIP lounge you'll find it and just ask a, a moderator and they'll let you in as long as you ask having a real name through the veil you can't be a you can't be a fakey no fake personas in there well unless you have a name that sounds real or we know who you are yep um <laughs> what what, what other, do we have uh, other announcements so um well the camp out's coming up so if you signed up for that um it is full but i'm just reminding those of you who signed up it's on the 20th of july coming up in about a week and a half or so all right good night everybody good night thanks mike good night you bet thank you